We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is May 26, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's going on, bro? We're only... 28 days away, 27, 28 days, something like that away. These are going to be the longest days of my life. Um, and I'm moving in there. And that usually makes life go faster. But I think with like just the anticipation for 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 the, you know, the draft as well as just getting to Florida for me as well, this might drag by a little bit for me. Yeah, so I've been off work now for uh for the last month after we had the little guy. So I go back to work tomorrow. You ready but for the that? last like few What's that? You said you're ready for that? I am ready for that. I and and the reason is like the last, you know, few days I've just found myself like sitting around mm-hmm. watching more highlight videos, reading Twitter, and it's just like, man, this is taking forever. I still don't know who we should pick or who we're going to pick or whatever else is going on. So yeah, it is completely dragging on. I'm hoping that getting back to work is going to, you know, speed up the days a little bit and make it feel like it's not so long in between now and the draft lottery, but in between now and the draft lottery, folks, you're going to see probably a rumor a day that the magic are leaning towards taking this guy. The magic really loved this guy. This team really loves this guy. One thing that I know for certain in life, and I don't know a lot, but I do know this Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, Matt Lloyd, all those guys in the front office, they leak nothing. They leak nothing. You're not going to know for sure what the magic are going to do until we hear the dun, 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 and then Adam Silver walks to the podium. Now, it's convenient for a lot of these guys who are reporting that the Magic are leaning one way or the other because, by all accounts, it's a three-player draft. So regardless of who you say, you have roughly like a 33% chance, 50-50% chance, depending if you think it's just you know, Chet and Jabari, of ending up looking right at the end, which is you know essentially what they want, and they want clicks right now. But nobody knows what this team is going to do. Stop wasting your time reading that stuff or getting excited about stuff. It means absolutely nothing, and things can change between now and then. We don't even know if the front office has worked out any of these guys yet. I'm waiting for the photo of 
you know, Jabari Smith Jr. in line at Chipotle, you know, downtown <laughs> Orlando. Or, or or Chet, you know, was walking around Amway Center and somebody got a picture with him or something like that. That's the stuff that I'm waiting for that's going to get me excited. But all this other stuff of the Magic are leaning this way or they're in love with this guy, don't listen to any of that. I'm doing you a favor by telling you, just wait until the draft. Be miserable like the rest of us mm-hmm. of living in uncertainty for the next 28 days, but don't listen to that stuff. Anything to add, Luke? That's pretty good. We no, kind of covered I think, that. I think you really you got to the point, and the point is just close your ears because nobody knows anything. Don't even listen to us. Right? Yeah. Just don't ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah. All right. One other thing that uh, you know came out today: the results of you know the NBA awards and you know first team All Defensive Team Rookie of the Year, and also the rookie team voting came out. And we knew when Franz Wagner was voted to the first team and the results came out, it was obvious you know, that there were some folks that didn't have him on the first team. And then it became obvious that someone didn't have him on one of the teams at all. And now we know that that is, I can't even say his name, Dave <laughs> McMenamin, or what I'm calling Dave McMinimum, because he put forth the minimum effort in mm. turning in the voting ballot. He had freaking Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers on his second team ballot over Franz. Franz didn't make either of his teams. Austin Reeves averaged like seven points a game. Franz Wagner averaged close to 15. Scored more than double the the amount of points per game. More rebounds, more assists, all that kind of stuff. Dave McMenamin covers the Lakers for ESPN, so it's very convenient that he voted a, a, a Lakers rookie onto the second team. But, Luke, it, it makes me mad because a lot of times... You know, these votes, uh, you know, not usually the rookie teams, but in terms of like all NBA and that kind of stuff, there are incentives built into guys' contracts that if they meet, you know, some of these, um, you know, uh, benchmarks, that they get more money in their contract. We just saw it with Trey Young. He made like an extra 30 or $40 million in his extension by making the third all NBA team. But for Dave to, to throw him in, either, I refuse to believe that it's like ignorance. Yeah. It's to not. me, it's just blatant nepotism. He, him throwing away his vote for the second, you know, you know, both the rookie teams anyways, which to me is ridiculous. It's a privilege to be able to be one of the media members that votes on this kind of stuff and for you to just like not care about it and, you know, just throw a undeserving play on the, on there is ridiculous. And I hope Dave McMenamin never gets to vote for another NBA award and and that goes for everybody. Anybody that doesn't take it seriously, which most of a lot of them don't. We have way too many people voting on this stuff, by the way. But him for sure should never be able to vote for an NBA award ballot again. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous, and it's not like he's like a LA like journalist, right? Like in terms of like like a, a local journalist or something like that. Like he 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 covers them like professionally for ESPN. Like this isn't a small outlet. Like if I'm ESPN, I'm mad about this, and they probably won't be because they're casuals too. But like that, Mister McMinimum uh, would really benefit from like doing this the right way, so he doesn't get clowned by people at like not to bring us down at our level, like that. Just like see it, and we're like, this is ridiculous. Like even we would know better than to put it. Kobe Price, great example. Kobe put out his his ballot. He didn't have Franz 1 on Rookie of the Year voting, but I'm sure 
if McMinimum was doing the voting, he would have found a, a Lakers McChicken. rookie, McChicken, McNugget, whatever you want to call him. Um, like Little he would have little Dave <laughs> McNugget side of barbecue sauce and some French fries. That's what it, you should be doing instead of voting. <laughs> my, not voting my boy on on the you know. But but I think team. that like 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 Kobe Price did a great job with his with his voting, um, being completely transparent, put it out there for everybody to see, like from him, and so that people didn't find out through somewhere else, like how he voted, whatever. So just ridiculous to me that that Mr. McMinimum did this. And and like it's just ridiculous. Sorry, his last name is genuinely it's easier to say McMinimum than the other. So like Mac- I am Man-a-man. trolling, Mac- but Man-a-man. also I don't Man-a-man. feel like doing what Jonathan is doing right now. So McMinimum, Mac- I feel like and an anemonemonemony. Like exactly. I feel like Nemo right now. Dave McMenamin. There you is go. Is his name? Crushed it, but also don't care. Plus ratio. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but but yeah. So it's just ridiculous, man. I don't I don't think we have to really dwell too much more on this. Just the fact that it's stupid. We wanted to bring light to it because it's stupid. Something else we want to shed light on are patrons. Those of you that help financially support the show, we have two new patrons for this episode, Wally Akbar and Eli. Shout out to you guys. Thank you guys so much uh, for helping support the show. It allows us to do awesome things like we did the NBA Draft Lottery Watch Party with the Orlando Magic. That was largely made possible by our patrons. We shout out our brand new patrons on every episode. And we shout out all of our patrons on every episode, and I am going to go ahead and do that right now. Shout out Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Bo Outlaw Fan, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Franz Godefasho, Ryan Singh, Blake Bickerstaff, The Distract, your boy Dave J, Eric Randall, Pierre A., Wally Akbar and Eli, 30 patrons now. You know, it's almost time, Jonathan, maybe next episode, for you to do the whole one breath thing. I think it's going to get challenging, man. I think I think now I'm probably uh, I'm going to meet my match. I don't think I'll be able to do that, but I'll I'll uh, I'll give it a go next time. You're going to give it a go just for my entertainment. Perfect. That, That works for me. All right. On today's show, we are continuing the trend between now and the draft lottery. And with good reason. You know, nobody really knows who the the Magic should take at the top of this draft. We put out some polls. Most of the fan base is leaning Jabari, but 80% of the fan base also said they would be good with any of the top three at number one. So we're going to continue really over the next several weeks to continue to get some different perspectives from, you know, bloggers and, you know, analysts and some scouts and stuff like that. Uh, you know, people that do this on a on a regular basis, you know, kind of like a like talent evaluators and everything like that. Just because I feel like multiple perspectives is going to help one form my opinion on who we should take, uh, but I also think it brings a lot of value to you guys as well. So on this episode, we were joined by Aaron Goldstone. He's a writing contributor for the Orlando Pinstripe Post. Um, just released a scouting report on uh, Paolo Bancaro. He's getting ready to drop Chet Holmgren uh, next week, and then I think he said uh, Jabari's is going to be uh, you know in, in a couple of weeks, like after the holiday, I, yep. I think he said. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. But yeah, we're going to switch to the interview with Aaron Goldstone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Orlando Magic fans, we are now joined by Aaron Goldstone, contributing writer for the Orlando Pinstripe Post. Aaron, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm great, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Luke, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been an admirer, a fan of your show from from a distance for for a while now. You guys do great. Um, you know, your first class, and I was I was thrilled that uh, we were able to to make this work and get on here and talk uh, Orlando Magic and, and draft and all that good stuff uh, coming up. First class. I think Aaron is mistaking us for someone else. But That's true. We appreciate the compliment I, either way. Aaron, we want to bring you on specifically. You know, the Magic have now uh, won the number one pick in the NBA draft that's coming up. Uh, we wanted to bring you on specifically to talk more about some of these prospects at the top. We just had Keandre from Who Ben Elect on uh, last week. But Magic fans still seem very split and undecided on you know the majority of fans, it seems like Jabari Smith Jr. is kind of rising to the top of most people's minds, but a lot of people still seem pretty undecided from minute to minute. So we want to bring you on and talk about some of these prospects. I guess we can start, I know you just wrote a, a pretty lengthy article on Paolo Bancaro. Um, let's start with Paolo and just kind of your evaluation of him and how you think he fits with the Magic. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, the reason I, I started um, my my scattering points with 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 Bancaro is just I really at this point have have no definitive board or, or order or anything. I just went alphabetical, and, and so that was kind of a, an easy way to to do it. But um, you know, I, I don't envy the the decision that that Jeff Wellman and John Hammond are going to have to make here because you know I don't mean to be politically correct or anything, but but I mean these guys are so. Even, you know, in my opinion, I think they all have, um, you know, their, their strengths and their qualities that, that teams just drool over. I think they all have their warts. And so, you know, it's really going to be in the eye of the beholder, you know, what the magic value. 
with with Bancaro, you know, he has just such an extensive offensive bag and skill set, you know, of of one-on-one moves. Um, but, you know, he's got these defensive motor and, and defensive kind of like lack of interest at times uh, questions. And, um, you know, so, so again, that's just kind of it, it's going to be what what Orlando Brass and what their top executives are looking for. Um, my favorite thing about, about Paulo is, is his passing and his vision. Um, I wrote in my piece that when I started this process of watching Mancara Duke, you know, the, the passing jumped right away. And I was like, I think he might have the best secondary skill out of these top guys. And then as I watched him more, I'm like, no, no, no. Like his passing is his primary skill. I think that's what he's most elite at. You know, at six foot ten, um, you know, he passes really well off the live dribble. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Kevin Love. He's like an elite uh, outlet passer. Um, obviously, in the half court, being so tall and so big, he could do like the high-low. Um, you know, he lobbed the ball to the other center in Duke, Mark Williams, quite a bit. And he just has this natural feel to, to move the ball, especially when he was being double teamed. And so that's, that's great for a big man to have that kind of, um, you know, those kind of instincts offensively. Um, you could run offense through him. He could get uh, a team a bucket one-on-one. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about his outside shot not being there. And, and I think we're all kind of used to now big men being able to shoot. But, I mean, you know, even five, ten years ago, a six foot ten guy that shot 33% from three was not like a red flag or anything, right? The, the kid is 19 years old, and I do believe he's got plenty of time to, to develop that outside shot. You know, he's got solid form and things. So no questions with Paulo offensively. I, I think he could do, you know, a number of things well at an elite level. Um, Mike Schmitz from ESPN did this piece. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was pretty good. It was like all the top guys in the draft, they're like go-to um, signature move. And for Bancaro, it was the spin move and, you know, how he utilizes a spin move in the post with his back to the basket, one-on-one driving to the basket, and then even in, in transition. So this is a guy with, with good feet, um, great size, and a lot of offensive skill. Like I said, the one thing maybe that, that I'm a little bit concerned about is his defensive want to and, um, you know, attention on that end sometimes. Because he could be a defender. Like, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, he's got great size and strength. So, so you know, um, you know, cleaning up that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I really like him. I don't know if he – I don't know what you guys think. I don't know if he jumps off the page as, like, the kind of guy that Weltman and Hammond typically draft and target. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if he fits that mold or archetype or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, but, right. but, you know, I, I, I think he's great. I, I think he, he fits well with the Magic. I think he fits well with maybe some of the other teams at the top of the draft, too. Um, I think he's pretty safe. Bancaro is a pretty safe pick. But, but again, it's not up to me. It's going to be what, what do the Magic value, what are they looking for? They're looking for safe. They're looking for a good player. Or they may be looking for more of a, a home run swing. You know, I don't know if, if that's fair, you know, for Bancaro to, to kind of label him as the safe pick because he's got a lot of upside too. Um, but but I think when people think home run swing, they think maybe like Chet Holmgren. So, um, you know, I really enjoyed scouting Bancaro. I think he has a lot of, um, you know, offensive, especially qualities that, uh, you know, teams will, will really value. Um, we'll just have to see if that's one of those teams is the magic. I think, and my response, Aaron, to that is, so right now I've got 
Paolo as as my number three right now. And a lot of it, and I'll, I'll kind of, I guess, play devil, devil's advocate to my own you know, perspective as well. But as far as Paolo goes, offensively, you're right. I mean, aside from the three-point shot that he could absolutely develop, uh, he's you know great in terms of facilitating, probably better than the numbers show. Um, you know, despite his assist being just a little bit above like his turnovers per game, I think that like he, he has the right idea a lot of the time. And when you're playing with these better guys, it really can elevate, you know, that type of player who has the right idea and knows what they need to do. The one thing, like you said, like his on the defensive end, I don't know if he's going to be able to get out there and guard anybody on the wing. He's not exactly a great rim protector. I think he had like 1.1 blocks per 40 minutes. Um, so he's not a guy that's just going to like stand in there and protect the paint by any means. He's 6'10 at the end of the day as well. So I, I guess my my concern is like his offensive you know, prowess is going to have to far outweigh his defensive, at least at the beginning of his career until he figures it out defensively. Because it seems like he should have all the tools. But but it just like like you said, his will to, right? And that was something beginning of the year, Duke propaganda was was probably the case, but they were saying his motor is so high. And then we got into the season and it's like, from what I can see, I'm not gonna act like I saw him play every game, but from what I could see and then from what I've done since, you know, end of the season, it is kinda like it just seems like he just what like didn't have the will to on defense sometimes. There was just times where he lacked. Um so I do worry a lot about that. But at the end of the day, man, this is an offense league. Like this isn't the '90s, like the '80s, like where like people could really hang their hat on just defense. Don't get me wrong; there's bigs who hang their hat on just defense now. But at the four spot, I don't know, man. I, I think that there's there's some some leeway to be given there between the two. And Aaron, I think you can probably speak to this a, a bit better than you know Keandre that we had on you know a few days ago. Is the the culture that the Magic are building? In Orlando, you know, with the guys that they've drafted and the guys that they've acquired, and now Jamal Mosley, I don't know that really the defense is as big as a concern for me for Paolo, because I do think that is something that can be coached up, and I think this is the group that can get him there. What do you think about that? No, I completely agree. And then you know, a lot of times, you know, we all, myself included, anyone that that doesn't follow the Duke program closely, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes as far as team roles. You know, I mean. Coach K is never going to tell Ben Carroll don't play defense, right? But, you know, there may have been more of an emphasis on certain things that, that show on film where that was Williams' job to, to you know, protect the rim or, or rotate here or there. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure that was placed on Ben Carroll offensively. We don't know exactly what his, his role was defensively. And so, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, I agree with you. If you have the athleticism and, and the body to defend – um, you know, then, 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 mm-hmm. then coaching, right? Then coaching comes into play. Um, you know, I, I know motor, when somebody questions a player's motor, that's scary. You know, we, we just had four years of Mobamba that had all the talent in the world. And, and, you know, it wasn't a secret that, that motor was one of the things that, that people even entering the draft, you know, knocked Mobamba on. So, but I just, I don't know if it's a motor thing with Bancaro. I, I think it was just like in his role at Duke, he was very focused offensively. And I do think he can grow. I mean, he's only 19, right? He can grow into becoming an adequate and solid defensive player and ultimately, um, you know, a, a two-way player. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I was going to add something here while Luke was talking, and then now I just kind of forgot. So let's keep moving, and maybe I'll, I'll let you know if I come to it. 
So let's let's move away from Paolo. I mean, I think we all know that really like the playmaking, the offensive upside is what he brings. Um, let's talk about a guy that, you know, really a lot of people are very split on in Chet Holmgren. And really the big question mark with him is the frame, not so much the ability. But what what do you say to the people that are really getting hung up on that, on the, the frame of Chet Holmgren rather than what he can do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a legitimate, um, you know, concern. Um, you know, I went into this process of scouting, you know, these these guys and, and I try to keep an open mind and and, and trust like, look, I, I do this as, you know, scouting prospects as a hobby. I enjoy it. You know, I did a little bit, you know, when I coached high school basketball, I put, you know, scouting reports together. But there are people that do this for a living and then that that have forgotten more basketball than, than I've ever known. And, and they really trust, you know, Chet. And so, you know, when a Mike Schmidt or a Sam Vecini or somebody is, is advocating for Holmgren and, and saying, you know, look past the body, um, you know, and how skinny, real, real, real thin he is, and just you know, look at, at what he can do. You know, I've got to take their word for it, but it, it's hard sometimes because you you see his frame. You know, for me, I, I cringe sometimes when I see people like make comparisons. Well, Kevin Durant was skinny when he came to the league, or Giannis was skinny, or or even one closer to the home, um, Dwight Howard was skinny. You know, and if you actually go back and look, I mean, these guys were still 25 to 30, maybe 35 pounds heavier, as skinny as they were than than what Chet is right now. And it's not even necessarily about weight. Like if I could kind of just talk about Dwight Howard for a little bit, when he came in from high school, um, two years younger than, than Holmgren is to the Magic, even though he was skinny, you could see in his shoulders. That's a lot of times what I look at in guys, his, his shoulders look like he could add so much more muscle and weight to his frame. His his frame was really impressive, and and sometimes Holmgren's um, posture, you know, in his shoulders, uh, I think is a little worrisome. So he's this world class elite rim protector, and and I, I recognize that he's got incredible defensive instincts. Um, but in the NBA, I kind of worry for a little while, at least, you know, how much on the perimeter he's going to have to play just because of not being able to hold ground and, and getting pushed around a little bit. Um, you know, incredible off-the-chart numbers uh, production for, for, for uh, a freshman. Um, but, you know, I don't want to crap all over the West Coast Conference, but a lot of those numbers were against, you know, teams that are not the type of skill level he's going to see in the NBA. Um, I did see some film where he struggled a little bit against the Dukes, against some other, you know, um, high major power five teams. But, but look, like this guy... He's he's incredibly skilled for his size. He's a freak. He's like a unicorn. You're never going to find people with that kind of measurements and those kind of skills. And I think what I wanted to kind of talk about with Holmgren a little bit, I've got his scouting report coming out next week, is, um, you know, if the magic, if you told me at the end of the day coming out of the lottery they were going to have a top three pick, they're going to get Chad Holmgren, great. Like, that's an incredible talent. But But that's not the case. They have the number one pick. And so, you know, it's not about what you think about Chet Holmgren. It's how confident are you he's that much better than the other two guys. You know, because they're not just going to sit and let him fall to them. They have to pick him first. And, um, you know, as much as I appreciate his skill, he definitely, his body and his weight and his strength and just kind of his his frame is, is more of a concern for me than maybe Jabari Smith's ball handling and shot creation. Or um, you know even Bancaro's defense, you know, and that doesn't take anything away from all the amazing thing Holmgren does. I think he probably has a chance to maybe be the best of the three. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say he might have the the best odds to be 
the the worst of the three. You know, if if things don't work out, um, how much do you believe he can put on weight and strength? You know, how much you know do you believe that that his body will hold up? And 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 so I, I don't know. Um, like it's so enticing, right? It's so salivating to think about Holmgren with all the the freakish things he could do on the court at his size, um, on the perimeter, at the rim, defensively, uh, rebounding. But but I don't know. Like I don't envy <laughs> John Hammond and, and Jeff Wellman. I don't envy them because when you're you're picking Chad Holmgren, like that's your career, right? And your legacy on the line. You right. know, it's got to work out. And um, I. I just I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think? I mean, is that fair? I, I'm trying my best to look past my my questions about his body, and the the talking points on Twitter is is he's more than his frame and stuff. And so that's absolutely correct. But then if you push it away too much, you're not trusting your eyes. So you got to find that balance of watching film and also kind of trusting what you see in front of you. Um, I trust Mike Smith. So if, so if he's good with Chet Holmgren, has him at number one, he's got to be an incredible prospect. But, but man, I have my, my concerns. Not doubts. I say concerns. It's probably a better word. Right, yeah. And it's really funny because Luke and I had this conversation earlier today. Like He was like, anybody that has concerns about Chet's like, frame, like kick rocks. And I was like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> I think it's a legitimate question to have. And then we just kind of went back and forth. And it was one of those scenarios where you're both saying the same thing. But you're arguing anyway. That's like the story of me and Luke. <laughs> but um, no, just the eye test. You see this guy, and you're like, oh my gosh! Like this guy is the stick bug from Bugs Life in real life. That's what he looks like. He is that slim, that you know, that frail. I'll I'll say that. But the ability to me is what you you can't really question, and, and that's what it comes down to for me. Yes, personally, I am concerned about whether or not this guy is going to be able to play. You know what we hope is 100 plus games for the next 10 years. Um, but if Mike Schmitz trusts it and John and Jeff think he's the right pick, then I will concede to the people that, like you said, have forgot more basketball than I'll ever know, but it is concerning to me, Luke. Yeah. And, and to, to like cover myself here with Aaron, when Jonathan said that, you know, people concerned about the frame can kick rocks. I meant that part, but I meant it for the people that like say that and that's it. Like they, they, the only thing that they have to say about Chet is his frame. And it's and, and that's the whole reason they're out on him, right? Like that's the only reason. They're not giving any type of uh any type of things like if Mike Schmitz thinks he's good or if the front offices think that he's good. They're just saying them themselves, they are they've been out from on chat from day one when they saw a picture of the guy. And so I think that's what irritated me the most about that. I, I've just seen it so much, Aaron, and I know you have too. Like you look on Twitter every day and that's all that's on my, you know, my my feed. It's just all the stuff, right? And you've got people that either love love chat or they hate him and there's no middle ground and i'm trying to be the middle ground guy like chet does so many incredible things you think i don't see that that he's 195 and seven feet tall like of course i see that but what i also see is that he shoots 39 from three on over three attempts a game he I, I had like four blocks a game like the the dude is a, a is a freak I think that when you talk about defensive, you know, concerns about him playing against the Joel Embiid's of the world, Nikola Jokic, you just put use him as Evan Mobley like the Cavs do, and you bring him over from the help side, and he's just going to send shots into the bleachers all day. But as he talked about, because he has a high IQ, he's going to try to keep those balls in bounds. So I, I think that you know, with Chet, I just I would absolutely hate. Like I, I've said this before, which was I don't know if any of these guys 
are guys that I fully trust that they come in and they're the best player on a roster and they're going to take your team to the championship. Like these guys aren't LeBron James. I, I don't I don't think that at all. So my thinking here is that like you just need a piece and you need a piece to put into this incredibly talented young core, especially if you think that one of the people on the roster is a guy that's going to change the franchise already. If you think Franz is the guy, um, then then great. You just need to add another piece and keep building. I think Chet, man, I think that he is he has a high floor, but he also could be one of the guys in this draft that does change a franchise. So I, I just I don't know, man. I just would hate myself at the end of the day if I passed on Chet Holmgren only for him to be like a franchise altering player. It's it, there's a, there's two sides to it for sure. I just I don't know if I, how I'll feel if the Magic pass up on Chet and then we see him during the season and he's averaging like 16 and 10 with three blocks a game. I I don't know how I'll feel about it. Yeah, and uh, Jonathan, I wanted to just kind of point out one thing I believe I I saw you tweet out and and I I wanted to just commend you because I completely agree with you 100%. A couple people with the like really kind of like cute photoshopping of of Jalen Suggs and Chad Holmgren from from high school and and obviously that's (laughs) a talking point and that's a great story and everything but you know that's that's not why you make this pick and and that's a nice backstory or whatever and I'm sure that would be something that make Jalen Suggs and Chad Holmgren really happy but the the chemistry and I can confirm just from you know being around the team and being at Amway I mean the chemistry is great anyways you know and whoever they draft because of the culture that Weldman and Hammond and company have put together and that coaching staff is going to fit in, you know, really well with the guys that are already in the locker room. And so, you know, you're, you, you as a fan base, you've rooted for this top pick for how many years and you've talked about it and you've clicked on Tankathon and all this stuff. And now that you, it's here, you know, you want to pick the person that you think is the best player, not the person that you can easily Photoshop, you know, from high school. And, you know, so it's, it's a little bit too cutesy for me. That doesn't mean that Holmgren isn't the best player. And, and I think, Luke, kind of what I guess I was trying to say, and I probably stumbled, you know, way too much, was if you took Holmgren at second or, or third, throw a parade because he's an incredible talent. But because you have to pick first, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just, it kind of gives me those weird, like, goosebump butterflies in the pit of my stomach because it's such a tough call when all three guys are so clearly even to me and they all have these warts you can point out they all have these incredible things you can point out man it would be almost so much easier to pick second or third and have somebody pick Paolo or Jabari and Chet falls you and you're like awesome he's he's on the Orlando Magic you know let's coach him up let's get him in the weight room let's do whatever he's going to be incredible but the fact that you're going to pick him first of the other two guys you better be yeah. you better be so sure and so confident and and they will you know if that's who they think their guy is um it's going to be a, you know a really tough tough call to make i think that's one of the things aaron is that this fan base has has for the last couple years has wanted that number one pick so badly and I think they're real, like we're all realizing collectively, like the curse that it is. You just don't, you're not certain. Like, you don't, like, do you really want to be the guy that chooses out of these three guys? Or would you, at the end of the day, be able to be like, hey, he was the last, he was the last available of the three. And that's it. Right. So I think, it, I think it's interesting. I want to later propose something here soon, uh, Aaron, to you. Before, uh, before that, though, tell us a little bit about Jabari. Uh, and what you've gathered on Jabari, and where does he kind of stand in your preference? Yeah, so so he um, 
is not a prospect when he was in high school coming into his first season at Auburn that I had heard a lot about. And the first few times I watched him, I mean, he was just – he exploded. Uh, I looked at this guy. I looked at his shooting, his size. He just looked like everything the NBA is right now, um, you know, with his ability to stretch defenses, play on the perimeter, you know, two-way potential, 6'10". Um, you know, I was, I was all over Jabari right away. Um, and, and, you know, with the Magic – struggling so mightily on their roster to find shooting and, and shooting threats and people to create space for Markel Fultz or Cole or or, or Wendell or, or Franz or whoever, you know, um, you know, Jabari Smith seems to the naked eye like such a flawless, you know, fit um, to what the Magic already have. And, and, you know, Luke, when you were just talking about just drafting a guy just to go with everybody else that they have, not that the number one pick is just a guy, but to just to put someone in that you know can add to the positivity that's already in this roster and take the team to another level. Um, you know, Jabari brings something in his skill set that the Magic, you could certainly um, argue, need probably more than, than anything else. You know, I think it's probably not unfair to say that, you know, needing outside scoring is probably more of a need than you know, Chet Holmgren's, like, you know, rim protection, you know, um, comparing what the Magic already have. That doesn't mean that you take Jabari Smith over Chet Holmgren, though, because you bring those guys into Orlando, you work them out, you kind of get a feel. From what I've heard, I don't think Jabari's going to disappoint, like, in interviews. You know, he's extremely right. um, professional, and, you know, his dad obviously was in the NBA, and so he kind of understands this process that, that he's about to go through. Um, you know, and I, I think he just kind of, he just looks the part to me of what the, the Magic organization, you know, really just kind of drools and falls in love over. So does Holmgren. So does Chet Holmgren. I mean, obviously they both have length. Chet Holmgren has a lot more length and wingspan. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, Jabari, you know, he offers shooting, of course, you know, scoring, um, you know, just stretching the defense and putting pressure on defenders, uh, you know, space for, for other players on the roster, you know, but, but he's got some, some, some legitimate, you know, question marks in his game as well. Um, you know, his, his ball handling, his, his handle is way too high. You know, he doesn't have, you know, a tight handle. Now, I don't know how much the ball is going to be in his hands in his NBA career. You know, to me, he kind of profiles as like a, uh, a secondary or, or even a third option on a really good team, um, you know. But but I think with his size, he could shoot over smaller defenders. You know, he could shoot um, in the post. He could shoot open threes on the movement. Um, you know, so so obviously that's his. Everyone knows that his his number one draw is, is his shooting profile. Um, but but he's not going to be the the creator, the the offensive creator that Paulo Bancaro is. You know, um, Jabari Smith is not going to be. The, the shot blocker and the rim protector that Chet, Chet Holmgren is. He's not going to, like, make plays on the perimeter like Holmgren is going to make off the dribble and 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 stuff like that. He, he's, he's I don't want to say one-trick pony. I want to say he has one really solid NBA skill that's very developed and advanced for his age, and it happens to be a skill the Magic could really use. Um, so mm-hmm. so that's an, another interesting conundrum. Right. I mean, you, you want to say as a GM, I don't draft for need. I draft the best player available. You know, who's to say Jabari Smith's not the best player available and also happens to fill a need that the team, um, you know, desperately needs. If you don't take Smith, you still need to find shooting somewhere else, you know, whether it's a veteran in free agency or later in the draft or whatever. And so, um, you know, sh- you know, shooting for me is, is a huge concern on that roster. 
um, and you don't know, you know, the immediate futures of Gary Harris or Terrence Ross, and and so you're losing even more, um, you know, uh, outside shooting threats uh, than than you already had, and and so, um, you know, to me that that's where the the conversation begins with Jamari Jabari Smith is is his shooting profile and, and his outside shot and his size and his ability to get his shot off, you know, uh, pretty much whoever's guarding him at the the college level, at least he was able to get it off. So, Aaron, if you are Jeff Weltman and you are on the clock today, who is your pick at number one? Has anybody called my phone yet to see if I can maybe trade down, or do I have to make this pick? Well, we can explore that too, <laughs> yeah. That is, the, that is the question. So you answer this, and then I have a question that actually pairs with that for sure. Gosh. So... My my instinct is to say Bancaro, but but here's the problem. And I did remember what what I couldn't remember earlier in our conversation. If you take Bancaro and his number one, you know, draws his passing and playmaking and offensive initiation, that also means you're running your offense through him and you're taking the ball out of Markel Fultz's hand. And you know, I don't know if that changes the dynamic of of truly what you're trying to do. Um, you know, how does that affect Markel's? efficiency is not the right productivity on the floor right I mean I think the magic truly found something you know real towards the end of the season when most of the NBA wasn't watching the Orlando magic um his assist percentage his playmaking um the the offense that he created Markel Fultz in limited minutes he was just an absolute monster running that offense and you know you're losing a little bit of that if you draft Ben Caro if the ball's in his hands you know mostly in the half court you know, how does that affect that dynamic with, with Markel Fultz? You know, that's certainly something I would think about. I don't know if it's safe to not draft Bancaro because of Markel Fultz, because of his injury history and stuff, but that's a factor. So I, I guess I would have to say I may not make a lot of fans in the Magic fandom community. Uh, I think I'd have to say Jabari Smith, to me, uh, just kind of feels well, like the pick. That's kind of the opposite. We ran a poll um yesterday and i 80 percent of magic like 400 something votes 80 percent of people said they would be okay with anyone in the top three every poll that i've seen jabari gets like 50 per, like plus percent of the vote and then followed by like okay. you know 20 30 percent of of chet and then somewhere like 15 to 20 percent paolo so right now at least from what i can gather is jabari is the leader in the clubhouse for magic fans now what the hell do we know <laughs> but people are really high on jabari and like you said, you know, they know that shooting is a dire need of the Magic, and he's going to fill that day one if he's drafted. I want to to first commend Aaron here because Aaron uh, hasn't made had clearly has not set his mind on like who he wants for sure at number one. There is so many people, myself included, Jonathan included, who have said many times already, "I want this guy number one," and then a couple days later, we change our mind. Right now, Jonathan has been on Jabari for the last, I don't know, we're coming up 72 hours, maybe, maybe four it's days, like four or five days, but it was also like two plus months before the lottery. So, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm still bouncing around. Right. But I also have, you know, moments where maybe I don't say it publicly or like tweet it out or whatever, but I'll send a text to the group chat, the six man show group chat. And I'll say, guys, it's, it's, it's Jabari or it's Chet or it's Paolo. Like it, it is such a hard thing. So, Aaron, I think this goes right up there with the people who like, like what you're what you're able to do and the sell the 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 restriction you're able to give yourself of like not announcing who your number one pick really is. 
it goes right up there with the people who say like I can't speak on this topic because I don't know enough about it. And it's an incredible thing, and I wish a lot of people had this talent, and unfortunately they don't, uh, and myself included. But but yeah, I wanted to ask you as well, Aaron, as far as and what I hinted at, if it came to the point, this is where someone's calling your phone, okay? OKC is calling your phone, and they want the number one pick because they've heard who you want, and they want that guy. In this case, let's say Jabari, and they're willing to give you two and twelve for that number one pick. Are are you doing that? I, I think you you re, I think you have to. Um, you know, it, if the Magic are in love, like blown away with one person, then they're not even answering their phone. You know, if they're answering their phone <laughs> leading up to draft day, they haven't truly fallen yeah. in love with someone. And you know, that gets back to how we started this conversation on this this pod. You know, if there's three guys and they're all Maybe even's not the best way to describe them, but they all are on a similar tier. You know, they've got different qualities, different positives, different negatives, but but you you feel it's kind of equal with all three. And somebody's willing to give up an asset like that, another lottery pick to to just move up one spot. You know, you're you're still coming away in that situation. I'm gonna assume if Oklahoma City and your hypothetical traded up, they trade up for Chet. I think. Um, you know, at least from from what I think, that's somebody that that they mm-hmm. also, as an organization, are very fond of. So you're coming away with another lottery pick and uh, Jabari Smith or Paula Bencaro. So it's just that's an incredible situation, and I don't even know who they would be targeting at 12 or whatever Oklahoma City's other lottery pick is, and I don't know how many more 20 somethings you could cram on this roster, anyways. Um, but you know, if yeah. I was running the team and I'm answering that phone call, it's because I'm open to to any combination of, of those guys. Um, that is one thing to maybe consider, though, is, is, you know, I've talked to Jeff Waldman before about this. He definitely thinks there's a critical mass where you can have too many young players. And he's very, very particular about his mix yeah, of yeah. young players and veterans and that ecosystem in the locker room. And since COVID shut down uh, our media's access to the locker room, we don't necessarily in the last year and a half see the the locker room like we used to as intimately. But but he is just he's very, very concerned, um, you know, very aware of that dynamic and and how many, you know, rookies or first or second year players is too many. You know, and, and that's one of the main reasons why he hasn't valued second round picks as much as, as the Magic fan base would have liked. And and that's his, you know, he flips picks and trades for future picks. And it's always because, you know, he wants to 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 bring one, maybe possibly two rookies per class in to not, you know, affect, you know, the the progression and the um you know, the dynamic of the locker room and all the young players already. So I don't know if Oklahoma City offered one in 12 if that's something that jeff Weldon would want to do if i was running a team that would be something that i would be interested in i guess is the best way to answer your question i think that and you make a great point in ter- and what some people may not realize is in in terms of you really step back and look at it and you start to think of the trend like why don't why don't they use those second round picks and i think that is a great conclusion to come to is that very particular despite being like the youngest starting lineup to start the year 
he still is particular about how many guys he's got. He's probably a little self-conscious of it because he's like, I've got so many young guys on this roster. And I think that essentially what you'd have to do if if you are this front office and you trade for 2-12, and 12, you're packaging those second-round picks and another young guy maybe even on the roster for a veteran on another team. I think that, you know, a, a notable, like a significant veteran that's actually going to get minutes. I'm talk, not talking about Rolo who got minutes when people were injured. I'm saying, like, I think that's what you'd have to do. The end of the day, the the, the story is you trade for picks 2-12, and 12, you're going to probably be shipping off a young guy somewhere to make room for that 12th pick, and you're going to probably be losing those two second-round picks for who knows what. Yeah, I think that's really where I'm at is, uh, you know, I don't want two rookies on this team again next year. I definitely don't want four, you know, <laughs> rookies. If you trade one for two and 12 and you still have 32 and 35, like some of these picks are, are moving around, especially if you make that deal. But me, it's like whoever your guy is, you got the number one pick. Let's take the number one pick. Put all your eggs in that basket that they're going to be the guy. Like to me, nobody knows what Jeff Weltman's going to do. Nobody knows what Sam Presti is going to do. And the last time that we traded with Sam Presti, it really didn't go that well, giving up you know, Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis. So that's a game of GM chicken that I would rather not play. <laughs> Just take your guy, that's let's celebrate, point, yeah. and everybody go home. <laughs> and, and it'll be a great old it time. It does seem a little counterintuitive to like have your fan base embrace and celebrate winning the first pick in however many years, right. and then you you know trade down. It does kind of seem it's, it's, it sounds it'd be like a little, it'd be, mixed messages. It would, it would, that shouldn't probably be their concern, but it would damper the parade a little bit. But, but they, if there should, is they shouldn't care about that. If there is something we know this front office loves, it's getting creative with, with trades and also putting their foot down on that trade and only getting what they would like in return right. uh, and not really you know flexing at any point to like appease the other organization. So I will say, if there is a trade on draft night, it's one that I'm going to have to trust. Because this Do front office choice. has done well with trades, and it would just make it that much more interesting for it to be the number one pick. I think it would be the the eighth number one pick ever traded, uh, at least before the season begins. And I will say, you know, the stories and the sources and the rival team executives that think they know what the Magic are going to do, you know, that... I don't know if I necessarily am like into like leak season or whatever, but but it, it really is still a, a ways away from the draft. And I think it's just, you know, NBA fans, they, they crave draft content. You know, the NBA draft is something, especially for fan bases of teams that have not been particularly competitive, is something that fans love to talk about and tweet about and consume. And so these writers, uh, you know, in the national media, they have to fill – they have to fill time, days and weeks with content. And I'm not saying they're straight up lying. That's completely not what I'm saying. But, you know, um, it's just we know as followers of this team how tight, you know, leaks are out of that meeting room and that conference room and that front office. And so when you're citing, you know, the magic like this person today or the magic like this person tomorrow, you know, I think it's a lot of just kind of beating the drum of excitement in general over the sport and the draft and these prospects. And you have to take it with a grain or maybe two grains of salt and just kind of trust that behind the scenes, you know, the magic are bringing these guys into town. That's incredible. When you have the first pick, you get all the medical records, you get all of the prospects in town. 
you get the straight shooters in the their their management and their agents and their managers. You don't get the runaround. Um, you know, you control the draft. It is a hard decision. You know, maybe I was kind of a fool earlier when I made it seem like I don't envy their position because it is a position of strength. <laughs> I don't envy their position because if they're wrong, it's part of their legacy, right? And that comes yeah. with the territory. I'm sure Jeff will embrace that that responsibility. You know, it is what you want to be at the top of the draft because you kind of control everything that, that happens. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Uh, we've got a, a little bit less than a month here, but it feels like it's going to be a, a long month. So, Aaron... Thank you for coming on the show. Do you want to let people know? It sounds like you've got another uh, scouting report coming out on Chet, you said, in about a week. And where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm putting together Chet Holmgren right now, and it'll probably be published next week after uh, the holiday weekend. And then Jabari Smith, probably the first week of June. So I write for uh, Orlando Pinstripe Post. That's a SB Nation site. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Goldstone. Awesome. Well, Aaron, appreciate your insight. Thanks for coming on the show. Welcome back anytime. And uh, yeah, are you going to be at Amway uh, draft night? Yes. So I am planning on uh, being at Amway. I've been there the last uh, handful of drafts, and it's it's a really it's an incredible experience to see you know the fans uh, come to Amway. Obviously, a game is not going on, but the excitement and the energy, and um, you know just kind of feeling that. And last year in particular. Uh, when when the Magic were able to draft Jalen Suggs, it was just it was it was it was a great time to to see the excitement at Amway with the the fan base, um, also to kind of be together in a little bit more of a casual setting with some of the other media people um, and watch the draft and stuff. It's kind of you know chaotic to watch and also write at the same time, but but it's definitely you know an opportunity that I don't want to you know pass up. So as long as they'll they'll have me. Um, I will right. be there. And just in case, I really quickly wanted to kind of shout out, because I, I bet a lot of your listeners might be familiar with this player. If there's one second-round prospect that, that I really mm-hmm. like, and um, there's a few reasons why I like him, but one of them is because he is from Central Florida. Um, Keon Ellis uh, from Alabama. He went to Leesburg High School, and uh, he he's from Eustis, Florida, Central Florida kid. And um, he is somebody that I don't hear anybody really, you know, mentioning. I think he's one of the better shooters in this class. He's a six-six wing. Fourteen different times this year, he had three or more steals in a game. Eleven times this year, he had three threes in a game or more. You know, so he offers a lot of shooting, um, a lot of energy on defense, and he's just like a six-six experienced wing that I think has role player written all over him. So if they actually do make one of those picks at thirty or thirty-five. That might be a little bit high for Keon Ellis, but I would love to see him get a look with the Magic as a Central Florida kid. There you go, Keon Ellis. Look out for him in the second round. But Aaron, man, thank you again so much for joining the show. It was a lot of fun, man. Uh, Maybe we'll get you back Summer League sometime before the season. Talk about the draft and and, and recap and and talk about some lineups. Awesome. Aaron, again, thanks for joining the show, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. All right, Magic fans, that was our interview with... Not interview, I'll redo this. Sorry, Kevin. Going to redo this. All right, Orlando Magic fans, that was our conversation with Aaron Goldstone. Luke, after that, um, yeah, I still don't know who we should pick. I'm still kind of leaning Jabari, but mm-hmm. it's going to... Like we said, it's going to be a long 28 days. It's, it's going to be a long 28 days. Right now, I am firmly between Chet and Jabari. 
we'll see if Paolo works his way into the conversation, but uh, there's a lot of time for that to happen, so it just might. We were also, uh, we joined recently the Uncontested Podcast. It's an Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, uh, one of our uh, Blue Wire brother or sister podcast. I feel like it's a bunch of dudes. I feel weird saying sisters. It's our brother or cousin podcast with Blue Wire, the Oklahoma City Thunder. But make sure you guys go ahead and check that out. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked, you know, you know, what would a trade look like between the Magic and you know OKC if they wanted to trade up to one. We covered a lot of Paolo, Jabari, Chet stuff as well. So, again, that's the Uncontested Podcast. It's an Oklahoma City Thunder podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. But for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys have been listening to The Sixth Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See you. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.